Hello and welcome to my show, Could You Be More Specific? I'm your host, Jonathan Steele, coming to you by the way of the Stay Well Podcast. And on this episode of Could You Be More Specific, I want to talk about culture innovators. And uh, the first topic I'm going to cover is uh, what LeBron James is. And not as much as what's going on with the Lakers right now, but something that I actually read up on him about being compared to being the next Steve Jobs. So I'm going to touch on that portion. And I'm also going to touch on uh, someone who I follow, Bill Maher. I know he just had an anniversary special for his show for Real Time with Bill Maher. And I want to touch on him and what he's meant, uh, not to just uh, politics, but what he's meant for, for comedy as a whole. But I'm going to start with LeBron. And uh, I know for some of you, if you watched the game the other night, the, you saw the Lakers fall to 0-3, and that's a big story from a sports uh, standpoint. What I want to get into about LeBron being compared to Steve Jobs, uh, it was said, I believe, by uh, someone named Jazz Fly. She's been on uh, the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Andrew Schultz and Charlemagne the God, and she uh, wrote Jay Prince's book. She's really, really talented. I know she works on uh, the new Jim Carrey show, Kidding, but she uh, compared uh, LeBron to Steve Jobs so about what he means just culturally and all the different avenues that he's involved in. And I know a lot of people got really upset by that originally. Or, well, I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, it's Twitter and social media, so everyone's always upset. and That's just how that goes. But uh, it really made me think about that because his his hands in terms of where he's at and how he talked about, you've never seen an athlete in this many categories, in this many fields, while he's still playing at this level. Just the day before, he's now in talks to produce a Friday the 13th remake. Obviously, a lot of these deals that are happening are just not happening out of thin air. I know a lot of people felt like he just moved out here for his business stuff. Listen, stuff like this for big-time business people has been in the works for long before they get announced. Usually when they're announced, it's usually done deals. That's how that goes. But um, other than, you know, kind of just focusing on the aspect of him from the entertainment field. But if you just look at what he means culturally, I mean, he's talked about pretty much every day because he demands that his presence demands that, uh, what, you know, I, I know I talked about, uh, his episode on the shop, you know, he's one of the only handful of people that can get Drake to appear on a show because Drake is not interested in doing interviews and, and you don't really have to nowadays because of the fact that you can just go directly to the audience. So you don't really need the big interview anymore, like the Barbara Walters, Oprah, all those type of interviews. Like, yeah, you can still do those, but they're not mandatory to, to reach a wide audience. You know, um, in, in this in this climate, you can just, you know, do an interview, do whatever with someone. If, if, if it gets popular, if you get the same if you get the same amount of views as you would get on a random video that's uploaded on YouTube that has a million or two million hits, it's like, that's popular. So you don't really need that. But um, it's, it's just, it's really fascinating when you look at LeBron and all the moves he's making, it's not just business-wise with, you know, having the billion-dollar Nike deal, with how he's been vocal, especially in politics and what's going on in our uh, recent political climate, but just also just what he means from a, a culture standpoint. You know, before it used to be viewed as, you know, a lot of people would have probably looked at Jay-Z as being like the number one go-to guy in that. And he still 
will always be in a position where he's always going to be looked at uh, with high regard. But when you look at currently now, the, the number one guy or the number one person on the planet when it comes to that is LeBron. And you see more of him. Uh, you can make the argument that Beyonce is the most famous person on the planet. And honestly, she has a huge effect on, on women, people from all across the board. But when you talk about, you know, you don't really hear her a lot talking or doing stuff like that. And she should, she doesn't have to. But if you talk about who's, you know, mentioned throughout all platforms based off what they're doing all the time, the number one person is LeBron. So I, I think it's very fascinating to see where he's at right now, not just in his career professionally on the basketball court, but what he is off the court. And he's been putting in this work now for well over 10 years. This isn't something that just happened out of nowhere. LeBron has always had aspirations on life beyond basketball. He just started thinking about it while he was playing. And um, for a lot of old school people who like to stay stuck, uh, that's what ends up happening. They stay stuck. And because it doesn't mirror something that they've seen before, they a lot of times complain about it. So, but for me, I I find it very uh, exciting and fascinating that now you got so many people that are going to try and model a lot of what they do off of the moves that LeBron is making, and and I think it's incredible, especially if if you're talking about people of color. If you're thinking in the eyes of what LeBron is about surrounding yourself with the right team. Uh, trying to put plans in place, making sure that you guys are on the same page. I think it's extremely important, uh, the work that he's doing. And um, and as far as the whole Steve Jobs thing, it's like what people got to realize, Steve Jobs was also about ideas, you know, um, and thinking beyond what was currently going on. That's what makes him in the spirit of what Steve Jobs is, is that he's not complacent. And I know I've said this on previous pods, but you know, complacency is the enemy of success. It's the enemy of a lot of things is complacency. And, you know, I don't care what field you're in or how well you're doing financially. If you just look at what you're doing and no matter what aspect it is and you decide to settle on that, you're going to top out. Because what's isn't going to happen is you're going to be disinterested and then you're not going to be able to continue to grow, not just in that field, but in other areas of, the, of your life where, you have a passion for to actually grow and you can actually help shape and change. Uh, so um, those are just some of the things I had on my mind with, with that. Obviously, based off how I feel about LeBron, I think LeBron is probably, you know, easily one of the most significant figures, not just in, in the world, but in terms of just black culture in itself. LeBron is up there in terms of what he means and where he came from and the success he is. I don't think people truly get out of they have a new Nike commercial on him. Someone like him does not happen. He is the definition of an anomaly and why people don't take the time to truly celebrate him is beyond me. He is the definition of what the American dream is. And people can say that, you know, oh, well, you're just, you're just sucking up. It's like, hey, I'm into the facts business. Tell me how many people you've seen come from the area that he's come from with the amount of poverty and the amount of obstacles that are are in place for them and have become that successful. And if you can tell me, fine, hey, I'll stand corrected. But it's not many at all. So those are just some of the thoughts I had on LeBron. Um, I'm going to transition to that, and I'm going to talk about someone that I've been following for a long time, 
Uh, and um, it's uh, about Bill Maher. No, he just had his anniversary special for Real Time with Bill Maher. And one of the things I've always admired about Bill Maher is that he's never really been stuck on what side people are on or teams or getting caught up in a lot of the a lot of the the, the technicalities that a lot of people in the political world like to, to box themselves into that leads to why we don't really get nowhere. And what I've always liked about him is that he's always said the stuff that a lot of times people have wanted to say, but they just don't say it. And that's on all topics because we've all thought about it. And uh, and that's what I really loved about his, uh, his anniversary special was that uh, you get to see uh, Bill Maher for when his earlier days when he started doing Politically Incorrect on ABC and then how he tra- kind of transitioned over the years from, you know, he was always a, a funny stand-up comedian, but then he really started to uh, lean more so into politics. And that was something that, you know, at the time wasn't necessarily something that as a comic, you really wanted to do. You usually try to do stuff that was lighthearted and nothing too seriously. Uh, but Bill has always kind of leaned into that for the you know mass majority of his career. And uh, one of the, the things that I liked about on the anniversary special is that, uh, you know, he'll have people on his show that you may not agree with, but it's valid. And uh, when you have someone like an Ann Coulter or an Alex Jones or uh, someone like Tommy Loren, that is a lot of times viewed as as a uh, abating thing in terms of, uh, oh, well, you're just doing it for clicks. And in some instances, based off the substance of those conversations, they, they can be. But I do think there are other instances where uh, these are people that are in this country that may or may not share your view. Uh, the basis of freedom of speech is for people to be able to voice that. You may not agree with what they have to say, no matter what side they're on. But it's something that, you know, if you're going to say that you want to live in democracy in a free in a free country, which has limitations on it. I want to add that it, if all, you know, freedoms have statutes of limitation on it. Uh, well, you got to be open and receptive to that. So uh, one of the things that I like the most on, on the anniversary special is when he was talking about how. Even though he was telling you up front what his show was about, people who don't watch the show can still dictate whether or not he's on, even though he's telling them it's not for them. They're still that pissed off that they want to make sure that he can't voice his opinion. And to me, that lets me know that those people are a lot of times not that secure in their view, because if they were, they really wouldn't be worried about that. At all. So. You know, for example, uh, I know what Sean Hannity does. Do I think that Sean Hannity literally believes the stuff that he says on Fox News? Maybe, maybe not. But he's paid a lot of money to do that. Fox as a corporation, as a as an overall news entity, that's what they're in the business of. They're like an entertainment news division. They play to a base. They rev them up. And a lot of people fall for that. Uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of people think that on who watch Fox News that they just clearly played to that because they think it's true. It's like, no, they, they you know, they know it, it grabs ratings. And to a certain degree, it's like that with MSNBC and some of the stuff they say. And one of the things I've always loved about Bill's show is that he puts people in both those fields on notice when valid. You know, one of the things I've always liked about Bill Maher is that when people say, hey, 
sometimes there's two sides to every uh, story. He's like, mm, no, not all the time. Sometimes it's just a story. And I, and I think that's great that uh, you can say that because sometimes something is just usually what it is. And um, and I think what he's been able to do over the years uh, with his show has always been really uh, fascinating to me, especially when it comes to how he deals with his audience, because it's something that made me think about that, too. And one of the things I've always wanted to try and, and keep an idea is, is that I want to talk with you, not at you as an audience. So I'm not interested in necessarily just saying what you want to hear. I have to state things as the way I see them. And I'm not asking for you to agree with me. Uh, if you understand me, then that's great. And if you have opinions, which I know you do, and you have concerns, which I know you do, and you want to voice that, I'm open to listening to that. And then we can have a dialogue. But a lot of times is that we don't really end up doing that. We end up getting so upset if someone doesn't 100% agree with us in full. And then if they don't, then we can't have the conversation. And and that's one of the things I've always loved about Bill Maher's show is that he's always had the door open for, hey, we can talk if you want to talk. And that's why he'll have a Rick Santorum on or Herman Cain or, or any one of these other Republicans that decide to, to come on the show. Uh, because it's like he's not afraid to talk. And a lot of times people don't want to. And so those are some of the things I just I wanted to talk on with that. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. I want to thank D for all the work that he's been doing for the pod. I'm so grateful and grateful to you guys for being, for for following and listening to the show. Definitely support us and become a patron. Definitely like, share, and follow it. The, the, we're looking to continue to grow like all... Like all uh, people that are on this platform. And I, I thank you guys so much, man. I'm looking forward to, to the more things that we have ahead. So again, my name is Jonathan Steele. Thank you for listening. Could you be more specific? Coming to you by the way of Stable Podcast. I hope you guys have a good one and stay safe.